A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and I am pumped. I am excited because fan favourite and friend of the show, Nadine Baggett, is back for her official three-peat. This is her third appearance on the show. And uh, the way I managed to finagle this one was to turn up at her house with my kit. We went for dinner and then I said, hey, should we uh, record a podcast? It wasn't quite that sneaky, but there was an element of it. Um, I posted a question in the Facebook group, the private Facebook group for this podcast. The link to join is in the show notes. And I said, if you could ask Nadine Baggett a question, what would you ask? And so the contents of this show is Nadine answering those questions and there's a lot it isn't just beauty there's lifestyle there's diet there's health there's all sorts um plus <laughs> I mean you know what you're going to ex- you you absolutely know what you're in store for with this episode it's Nadine and I talking 19 to the dozen barely being able to get word word in edgeways with either of us because we're just you know on a roll and it was a it was a lovely summer evening in London and we were just chinwagging and having a lot of fun. Um, one thing to note, we recorded this in Nadine's kitchen, which as it happens is quite echoey. I've tinkered with the audio, but it is still a little bit echoey. And there is tinkling water in the background. I am not trying to cover up for the fact that we recorded this in a poorly piped bathroom. Um, the tinkly water sound that you can hear is actually a special fountain thingy-me-jig that Nadine has for her cats. But it does, you could be fooled into thinking that we <laughs> we did this um, in a bathroom. But right, we absolutely didn't. We talk about an awful lot. We talk about um, Nadine's own brand of tough love and how she's thinking of, in brackets, not really, how she's thinking of retraining as a tough love life coach. We talk about... Um, the TV that she watches. We talk about uh, uh, where to look for a dermatologist. Basically, we ask answer a lot of the questions that are in the Facebook group. So many questions, in fact, that I've had to uh, split this into two episodes. All of the links to everything will be in the show notes. So I'm going to get straight into it because we are rambling on in the style that you will have come to expect from Nadine and I hanging out together. So here she is, Nadine Baggett, for her official third visit to The Emma Gunn Show. Back by popular demand, and also because I'm in your house, and I've made you do this. She's desperate, people. She's desperate, that's all. I'm not desperate. You're a hugely popular uh, friend of the show now. This is your, this is your official three-peat. Not including the one with Caroline. This is my official four-peat. Yeah, but four-peat doesn't sound as good as three-peat. Oh, okay. okay. So this is your official solo three-peat. Okay. So no one else has, no one else has enjoyed this status yet. I'm honoured. Do you feel good? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Nadine, by the way. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, well, I would have done the introduction, obviously. They've already of course, had me wang on about. Of course, uh, Nadine Baggett's in the house. YouTube sensation, beauty journalist... Um, all round good egg. Also, 
Let's reference that podcast you did with Jules and Sarah. I knew you were going to reference this. Recently decided to become Tough Love Life Coach. I'm joking, but that's why I said to Jules I should retrain as. But you have been my Tough Love Life Coach for a while. And so what was very interesting about Wobble, where you talk about like basically how to deal with life, uh, is that I listened to it and I was like, yep, 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 this is Nadine. She does not sugarcoat anything. Including, including skincare and beauty. But it's only because that's the way I was raised. I was raised by two working class parents that were too busy working in factories to sugarcoat anything. And I don't think I came out badly because of it. I knew they loved me. I knew they supported me. I knew they'd always be there for me. But I was never told I was pretty or smart or clever or special or anything like that. They just said, if you work hard, you can get on in life. And we're proud of you. And whatever you achieve is amazing. And so that's incredible. That's and that's the grounding of everything. It's, it's like we were always saying about our analogy of if life is a growth spurt and you're a tree, it's about how strong are your roots. And my roots are really strong and that's down to my parents. Tough love. So if no one was telling you that you were beautiful and bright and wonderful, uh, did you tell yourself or do you just not place values on things like yeah, beauty? Didn't, didn't place values on things like that too busy doing things, too busy living in the moment, too busy striving to achieve, too busy trying to escape from what I knew I didn't want to live in, which was basically a 1970s new build housing estate in the middle of nowhere, where you had to walk three miles to get to school across fields. I went to a comprehensive school. You know, the year I was born, it was one of the biggest population years, so there were loads of kids in school... Nobody was really sort of, you know, we were all streamed at sort of the age of 14 or 15. You were just too busy trying to get by. And mm. I don't think that's a bad thing. There's no time for navel-gazing. It's too much navel-gazing now. I think there's far too much navel-gazing in the world. I saw something interesting. Have you heard of a guy called Gary V? No. I meant to tell you about this earlier because we have been talking non-stop. By the way, she's now. got me into Joe Rogan. Yes! Who I've now got a massive crush on. Oh, he's so hot. Yeah. You would eat him for breakfast. I don't think I would. He's he a W something fighter. Oh, he's a fighter and he can. Yeah. His, his kicks are pretty and he's strong. Tiny but powerful. Well, he's short but he is built like an yeah. outhouse. Well, no he's way. five foot eight. Yeah. So you would. So I would tower over him but he could snap me into. Oh, God, he's so, and he's got the nicest voice. On podcast. Yeah, he's very cute. Um, uh, Gary V, there's this guy called Gary V, and he did this thing recently. It's inevitably one of these things that cropped up on Facebook, and it was about selfie culture. And he and he was basically saying, Stop complaining about it. This is evolution. We are in 20 years, we are going to long for the days when all people do is take selfies because in 20 years, we'll all be operating our own computer system via a contact lens, and no one will be talking to each other, and the kind of interaction that we have now will be a thing of the past that kind of Philip K. Dick dysfunctional sci-fi future do you which, think that's a, do you think that'll be the case well as long as I've got Rick Deckard on my side aka Harrison Ford in a sort of tre- <laughs> trench coat or Rutger Hauer I'm fine with that well we fell that's out that's my sci-fi reference we fell say. out over Blade Runner we did because you said the first movie was slow it is slow have you seen the second movie that's a slow movie no no that needs at least an hour taking out of it no I watched the first movie and then decided I'm probably not going to commit to the second movie I don't care if Ryan's in it I'll just google image what he looks like in it Uh, it's well worth watching and it's very clever and it's really beautifully constructed and beautifully filmed Uh, but the narrative arc is it's not an arc it's a maze I mean it just goes all over the place it could definitely lose an hour 
But that said, it has got two of my sexiest men in, which is Harrison Ford and Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Gosling. Oh, Ryan Gosling. Sorry. Actually, I don't fancy Ryan Reynolds at all. Do you not? No, too pretty. He's actually very slim. Very, very slim. All famous men are in real life. I've said this before. I could stand on the BAFTA red carpet and Brad Pitt would disappear behind me and so would George Clooney. Famous men are inevitably quite tiny, very small. I remember a friend of mine who works out very, very hard in the gym and is quite hench as a result, um, got premiere tickets to Magic Mike and he was just like, I cannot believe I'm going to be on the red carpet. I'm going to see Channing Tatum and Joe Man... What is it? Manganello. Manganello, I know. (laughs) And um, he said he got on the red carpet and he literally got on the red carpet at the same time as Channing Tatum and couldn't believe how small he was. Yeah, they're all tiny. It's a little bit like if you ever see really famous women, because obviously we have interviewed so many famous women it doesn't matter whether it's Pamela Anderson or Kim Kardashian they're not as big in real life as you think like Pamela Anderson's boobs are not that big it's just that the rest of her is so tiny in comparison Kim is not that large she's really not I mean she's curvy but she's not that big you know she's probably only got size four foot that's what's happening in the real world well you've got the great thing there are pictures of Nadine so when I have my picture taken with females you're going to have to put these pictures up now in reference in the show notes um (laughs) When I have my picture taken with like someone like Cheryl Cole or Kim Kardashian, it's fine. I just stand next to them. I don't think anything of it. <laughs> it's the fact that you... Cause you I'm always... 5'11 in real life. I always wear high heels to interview celebrities, which bring, is bringing me in at 6'3", and the celebrity is 5'3", which means I have to do what I call the celebrity crouch, <laughs> which is basically standing there with my not legs... Knees. Not need. And my legs are... With my quads burning like hell for a few hours, because celebrities always have to have the best angle and they have to have their pictures taken forever. And it was absolutely fine, because I always say, this is head and shoulders, right? And they crop it out. Yep, yep. Except that when I met Kim Kardashian, they sent the picture back full length, and then they ran it in all of the Debenhams magazines. <laughs> Thank you, and online. And I literally looked like... And I, I don't, I'm sure we've told this story before. I look like Eric out of South Park, the little boy with the calipers, as a competition winner by the side. I look like a complete... You probably did tell this in the first yeah, time you came sure to it was just so long ago. Two, over two years ago now. Um, You're so successful. Sorry? The world's most popular beauty podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. I love my <laughs> listeners. And actually, this is why... It's all down to Caroline and I, Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Um, that's the reason why we're recording today is because um, I said, should we do another episode? Because I was coming round your way. And anyway. I said to you, only if we editorialise it. And you said, okay, let's put a shout out on your Facebook group, mm-hmm. your Emma Gunn's forum. Yep. And see uh, what saying questions any questions. And we didn't get any. And so not we're, a single we're going by. <laughs> so um, sorry about that, Nadine. <laughs> <laughs> what was my question? Who is she? <laughs> Who is she? Yeah. So irrelevant. Um, so let's go through the questions. So let's go through the questions, all two of them. So, <laughs> all like 22 of them. Um, but, but just quickly, do you think that we'll have our mobile, phone, our mobile phones oh, yeah, absolutely. Will in the future be contact oh, no. lenses? I love that um, Black Mirror series. That's exactly what the future is going to be like. What happens in Black Mirror? Oh, oh my God, have you not seen it? I so envy you never have to see The Handmaid's Tale and never having seen Black Mirror. So basically, they're both available on Netflix or Amazon. Um, They're obviously both sci-fi. Handmaid's Tale speaks for itself. Margaret Atwood novel. Uh, Totally amazing. Um, About a dysfunctional, dystopian, completely sexist right-wing future. Black Mirror is about how sci-fi ruins the world. 
it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Every little story is unique unto itself. Will I get scared though? Because you know that my body has a difficult time processing. No, you won't get scared because it's so fantastical and but so near future. So you can look at it and go, that's, I can imagine that happening in 10 years time. But it looks like it's set in our future now. It's so dystopian. It's just brilliant and really clever. Really clever. Not okay. particularly violent or anything like that. It's just really clever. Okay. And I think there are three series of it. Watch them all. They're amazing. Because there was a British series and then didn't That's America. The same one. No. Oh, okay. No, and then it went and it got franchised out to America, but it's all written by the same guy. It's all got different cast and crew. Is it so, Charlie? What's his yeah. name? Uh, Charlie Booker. Booker. Um, who I shouldn't like because he was really rude about my Oleyad. What? He was so rude about it on TV, which quite rightly so, it was pretty annoying. But anyway, um, so uh, the first two series I think were made in the UK, so it's mainly an English cast, and then he goes over to America and makes it with an American cast. It's so good. There's one episode where it's all about, uh, instead of having likes on Instagram, your whole world and your ranking in society is about how many people like you and how they rate you every day they meet you. So you go and order foe, do you smile, do you tip? Are you nice to somebody? Do you let somebody out as you're driving out? Give way to somebody? Do you compliment somebody on the way they look? Have you kept in shape? Have you looked after your teeth? So your whole world and your whole ranking and the jobs you can get and the houses you can live in are all about the likes. And one girl starts to spiral out of control because she starts losing likes and it's about how her life completely falls apart. And then she forms the un- part of the underground that's determined to break the system. It's the whole, the whole thing. There are hit and miss episodes, but generally, I couldn't recommend the series enough. This is really interesting that you're recommending this to me. We're not getting back to my question. No, of course, but we've got time. Um, we, uh, you're recommending this to me, and <laughs> recently, Nadine said, well, I need to watch something. What do you recommend? And I said, The Kissing Booth yes. and Kath and Kim. No. <laughs> which I'd seen all of Kath and Kim before, but I hadn't actually seen Obviously. the Christmas special or the movie, which the movie is terrible. In oh, movie. Kim Dorella. Yeah, yeah awful. it's bad. But um, it's so funny because I am always ribbing you about your appalling taste in movies because you like superhero movies. Yeah. You've basically movies. Movies. You've basically got a taste in films which is akin to a 14-year-old boy that's just discovered masturbation. It's so weird your taste in movies. You literally like super movies. You went to see that weird mega shark the movie. Meg. I saw it with Lindsay Kell and know, we are not sorry. But you are both have got weird taste in movies. Whereas I think because I did a postgraduate <laughs> Diploma in film studies. I've got this slight snobbery about what I'll go and see at the cinema. So, like, my naughty place, you know, is Hey You and The Real Mm. Housewives. But generally, with movies, like, I kind of like... I like either, like, dysfunctional, serial killer, high-end thriller. I like kind of that stuff. I would never go and see... Even when I'm on a plane and I can watch all the movies in the world, I would never watch a superhero movie or anything like that, ever. Even though I know you're basically just pashing on... Whichever Chris it is you fancy, I can never tell. The, I can't tell the difference between the Renners. I can't tell the difference between the Chris's either. The Chris's or the Ryan's. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they're all they're all gropeable. <laughs> Although gropeable in Kath and Kim doesn't mean gropeable. I'd be gropeable too. It means I'd be angry too. So I need someone to explain that to me. Have you noticed that? You've got to be pacific about it. I'm not really sure what you what mean by that. Specifically. How did he lose the weight? Yeah. On the Orlando Bloom prune detox. <laughs> Different, nice, unusual. Nice, different, unusual. Yeah. Now, since I watched it, it went on to By the way, while we're doing this, she's just fast scan reading with her finger a la cat <laughs> all the Facebook questions. Was it interesting? <laughs> mm, yeah. 
I'm going to do a TAFE course in Facebook. <laughs> Have you watched it all recently? How do you remember all this? Because it came onto Netflix recently and I yeah. st- it was one of those I things... I binge watched it a couple of weeks ago. I do. I know you're going to think this is terribly ridiculous. After the gym, I tend to do loads of like yoga and stretching and I just put Netflix on when oh, I get in. You use TV the way a lot of people use radio, don't Yeah, you? exactly. You have it on in the background. So I, I listen, so I pick up yeah, on everything. The TAFE but course, yeah. Just I used to have the DVD, course. the TAFE course. It's very good. Um, but Kath is a really... I aspire to be a bit more like Kath. She's pretty organised. She knows what she wants in life. It all goes horribly wrong if she has nothing to do. She's oh. always got to have a TAFE course. And yeah. hasn't she done a TAFE course in Reiki healing and yoga? Oh, Which just about sums up what I think about all that. <laughs> yes, we've just had an excellent conversation about we all have. of that kind of stuff. One day, okay, Emma needs to do an entire Ask Me Anything. People ask her about her family. <laughs> She's got the most brilliant, novel-worthy family. It's wonderful. It's really <laughs> wonderful. Right. On that note... Go on. Catherine asks... Okay. Have you read any of these? Uh, no, but go on. I'll be fine. So even though... I don't prep for anything. You know what I'm like? I wing it. No, no, I know. But I love the fact that I put this shout out. You commented on it. But yeah. You were I sitting did. eating I, wine I gums. scanned up enough that okay. there were enough questions. Okay. But you were... Um, Obviously watching Real Housewives when I turned up. I think I was watching the Kardashians. Sorry. All right. Eating wine gums. Living your best life. Right. Catherine asks, what direction does Nadine see the beauty industry going in five years in terms of innovation rather than trends? And Leanne concurs and says, oh, good one. And there are 12 likes on this. Um, I think that there's going to be an increasing divide in the way that the beauty industry goes. So there's going to be the science-based stuff, which is the sort of Paula's Choice, Doctor's Ranges, that are sort of based in active ingredients. And then the other way is going to go the carbon-neutral, eco-friendly, clean, and I'm saying that with inverted commas, (laughs) um, vegan. So it depends whether you want something to be respectful of the planet or respectful of animals or you want it to be efficacious and I think the reason that some of the big brands are having problems is they're trying to straddle both and it's really really difficult for them is it possible to have I mean I think Drunk Elephant have done an amazing job and I think they're going to be the most successful brands I think Paula's Choice they're both um, Hourglass is going to become vegan by the end of it's 80% vegan now yeah by the end of 2018 Paula's Choice obviously the thing is okay so we talk about animal testing for a start Animal testing is illegal. It has been illegal for at least uh, eight years in the UK and six years and in the EU and six years in the States. But however, if you sell into China, then you sell over the license for the local authorities to test on animals. So some of the big companies, like ELC, Estee Lauder companies, have just reported massive profits Mm. and a lot of that has come out of China. China, So I understand why people don't buy into that. Um, but that's a problem for a company like Origins because if you're trying to be eco-friendly and you're owned by a company that sells into China and they sell you into China, there's a disjoint, there's Mm -hmm. a disconnect there. But I also understand that most beauty companies don't want to test on animals. They don't want to... They think it's ridiculous. Their products are obviously safe. They've been tested on us for years. Why do they need to be tested again? And companies like L'Oreal are working really hard on the ground in China to change the thoughts and feelings of the Chinese people. That's more likely to be the thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that exactly. Rather than say, I'm not going to sell and I'm not going to speak to you, the people work inside and they work to create different testing methods. So I think, I totally understand, I'm a complete animal 
um, welfare person. I love animals. I don't eat red meat at all. Um, so I get it. And I don't eat red meat, not for health reasons, but for animal welfare reasons. Um, and I don't like intensive farming and all that sort of stuff. So I get it. And I do think the beauty industry is trying its hardest. Uh, but I don't think things are black and white. Okay. That's a very long answer. I'm sorry. But that's going to be the, the biggest shift in the next... I just think I can see things going two different ways. And actually, the most successful brands are going to be the brands that navigate that, that divide. Definitely. Well, yeah. Um, Leanne, who liked the previous question, says, <clears throat> NHS dermatologist versus private dermatologist... Would she pay for a private appointment? And if so, who would she go to slash recommend? Also, when looking for a dermatologist, what would she look for before deciding if no one had recommended one? And there are some supplementary questions, but so let's just start with that. Uh, if you can get an NHS recommendation to a dermatologist, it's obviously amazing. The first thing you're going to need is a sympathetic GP. Most GPs are not trained in skincare at all. They just aren't. Mm -hmm. Dermatology is a specific postgraduate thing that you would do specializes just in skin diseases a lot of people call aesthetic doctors dermatologists they're not so they call about they talk to talk about aesthetic dermatologists they're not a dermatology is like saying you're a cardiothoracic surgeon or you're a gastroenterologist it's a specialist that you do post-grad people that set themselves up as aesthetic dermatologists could be gps they could be nurses Tafels. they could be Sorry. they could be tapers they could be cardiologists i mean you know there are some really big people who journalists and bloggers who don't do their research properly say they're dermatologists and they're not dermatologists so a what? who's what so for example perfect case in point my aesthetic doctor, somebody I've done filming with, is a woman called Dr. Sarah Tonks, okay? A lot of people will refer to her as a dermatologist because she does Botox and fillers. She's not a dermatologist. She's a doctor that has done postgraduate diplomas, but she can't prescribe Retin-A. Only dermatologists can prescribe Retin-A because you need to have done the postgraduate courses in skin health and skin disease. Okay, so it's a bit like... So aesthetic doctors, that doesn't mean anything. That's not regulated, the term aesthetic doctor or aesthetic dermatologist is not regulated. Somebody like Stephanie Williams or Justine Kluck or Angelo Marto, they know how to treat skin diseases. So you could go to them with skin cancer, acne, psoriasis, eczema, ichthyosis, whatever you want, and they know and they can prescribe the drugs for you. And then there are dermatological surgeons that can then operate on you. Crivens. It's not an easy thing to do. Well, it's like so if you can get a GP that's sympathetic and will, they will give, then give you a reference, mm. but the problem is in America there are millions of dermatologists, here there are hardly any dermatologists, you'd probably have to go to St John's Department of Dermatology or something like that. So anyway, the three I've just mentioned are properly trained dermatologists. Who can if prescribe Retin-A. Who can prescribe Retin-A. So if somebody says to you things like, who do you go and see for Botox or filler, then you can go and see a GP, a nurse, a dentist. It's partly medically trained, but it's partly a skill. If somebody's asking for a dermatologist and they mean I need somebody to treat a skin disease, then you need a dermatologist. Okay. And those dermatologists also happen to do aesthetic work. And that's kind of win-win in my eyes. But that's also where the confusion comes in because yeah. someone thinks if someone does aesthetic, then they're a dermatologist. Then they're automatically... If somebody thinks that they, you work on the skin, they're automatically a dermatologist and they're not. And also because I think mm. journalists just don't know and don't do their research. It's basically saying you're going to your GP and you're basically going, right, you need open heart surgery, go and see a doctor. Well, you better go and see a cardiologist. 
No point in seeing a gastroenterologist or a gynaecologist. They don't do cardiology. Dermatology is a specific postgraduate skill set that is about skin disease. Right. Interesting. Nicola, supplementary, says, yes, also, even if one has no major issues, like severe acne, for example, would she still suggest going to see a derm, say, once a year, for example, as a general skin MOT? I hear in the States it is much more like going to the dentist. Yes, it is. It's whereas true. in the UK it's far from a common thing. Uh, I've never seen a dermatologist in my life, but then I've never had major skin issues. Um, apart to go to a mole clinic, which I used to do as to write stories about where they basically strip you down to a thong and then very embarrassingly search every inch and crevice of your body to check for moles. I think if you've... There's no reason why... Would, I've never seen a cardiologist, but I don't have heart problems. Why would you go and see a dermatologist if you don't have skin problems? No. So don't do it for an MOT. No, I don't then... think so. Unless skin cancer runs in your family <clears> and you've had severe sunburn as a youth and you've noticed a mole changing or a patch of pigmentation changing. What do they call it? Tracking or something where you yeah, go and you then... A, B, C, yeah. D, and they do mole tracking and they take pictures and stuff like that. But And then you go back in a year to see yeah, if there's been any absolutely. development. Absolutely. And if you've ever had either solar keratosis or you know, malignant melanomas or anything like that, then obviously you need to be tracked. I mean, you, but you need to go see a dermatologist if you've got like a serious skin complaint, like if you've got psoriasis or... But know. that's like if you... You would go and see a cardiologist if earlier than a lot of people if you had a history of heart disease, heart disease on both sides of the family, for example. Yeah. So and it's, it's the, the reason thing. why GPs are so loath to give you a reference <clears throat> because for them, they're so busy worrying about saving lives, they don't think even severe acne is enough of a reason mm. to clog up the NHS because the NHS is too busy dealing with yep. life-threatening skin mm -hmm. complaints. That's, That's the problem. And, you know, and, and if the NHS are going to pay for it, which I, I think they should do. I think an acne is a completely debilitating disease and, and psoriasis can be. But if the NHS are going to pay for it, they're going to make you jump through hoops. And that's just the sad state of a beleaguered NHS. Yeah, and then Leanne just finishes off. She replies again by saying, oh, there are still people writing on this post. Um, I've seen so many derms on the NHS and privately and have been disappointed by both. Yeah, and again, you see... A, and not all dermatologists are up with the latest skincare that is available. Mm. Um, a lot of them were trained 15 or 20 years ago. I remember recently giving somebody some advice and I said, you should ask your GP for spironolactone mm -hmm. because I think it can really help you. And I suspect that you might have a hormone issue related. Mm -hmm. And they were seeing Dr. Tony Chu, who started the, started the acne support group. And that, he had to go in... Google spironolactone because you know what? well because it's a really new drug and it's a new application for that drug oh I see I remember years ago with PCOS like really being like I want to be on spironolactone yeah. for my skin and um but I bet you googled that yourself right well it was one of those things that well, my I mean, hairdresser told me about someone else who'd been but there. I think a lot of us now we google our own symptoms even I quite often say to people people will DM me and go oh, I've got perioral dermatitis or I think I have and I go send me a picture and I go yeah that's perioral dermatitis you need to go, go to your doctor and ask for metronidazole you need a Rosex cream don't get the metronidazole gel because the alcohol will affect your um, <clears throat> barrier function and make it worse and then they go to their GP and they go my GP had to Google it. And I'm like, well, why should... You know, your GP's too busy mm. dealing with people with coughs, colds, and depression. But they wouldn't necessarily know about this. It's only because I've researched it mm. that I know about it. 
But I'm sure that when I tell people to go in with a list of things <laughs> they should prescribe, I'm sure that I'm called, they're called heart sink patients, aren't they? Because you get patients that end up knowing more about a subject than a GP. But GPs are, you know, put upon. How do you expect them to know everything? That's also reminded me about saying to people, send a picture. Um, you didn't out me in your video, but no, I'm going to out didn't. myself here. No, you didn't. In the video where you talked no, about... No, I'm very respectful. <laughs> no, you are. Um, I I've got a lot of pictures of very bad skin on my computer from people sending me the most horrible pictures. Poor things. But you did a video recently and said, my friend sent me a picture of a rash that she got on her boob from her sports bra. And that was me. <laughs> that was me. And the angle was so bad. I couldn't... You, it was one of those pictures you couldn't quite work out. I'd like, like lifted the boob buttock. But I said to you straight away, oh yeah, that's a fungal rash. <coughs> the thing Just that put some uh, athlete's foot cream on it and it went, didn't it? It did, but it's because I have this, I, I'm having issues with sports bras at the moment, as we know, and there's a sports bra I bought, maximum support, and A, it doesn't give any support, and B, it just, it is creating this reaction, which I've never had before from any sports also, bra. Also, we have just had the hottest, sweatiest, most disgusting summer I do on the like history of, yeah. And so I was... Have you tried that, Emily, that stuff, that... She's got, she's, got this, she's got this friend that started this roll-on anti-chafing stuff. It's all over... Chub fashion. rub. Mm, I don't... Is That's it for your inner thighs. There's a, there's a stick called chub rub. I thought it was called something a bit more respectful than that. I, I don't know anyway. But Emily, go on Fashion Foie Gras feed and she's got a friend that started this thing and you can put it under your boobs and under your armpits and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's called chub The rub. thing you'll love about that is that I was also, while I was texting you pictures of my boob I was also texting a client that I was doing a hell of a lot of work with at the time you didn't actually send them I accident I didn't send them the picture of the boob but I sent them a picture of the athlete's foot cream which I was holding up going is this one is this one, one? by this one <laughs> and they were like uh, I don't think you meant this for me I mean how do you come back from that sending a client a tube of uh, athlete's foot cream right but it worked uh, didn't it oh completely yeah. completely Right, Alison would like to know. I would like to know more about the research slash evidence base behind the scientific claims that companies use. Brackets. She seems knowledgeable about this. I am a registered nurse seems. with a PhD. Oh, oh, that's it. She's automatically that much smarter than me. So like, so like robust science rather than marketing waffle. Uh, the problem with most companies is uh, they they don't robustly test their products they just don't um they don't see the point in spending their money on re robust tests when they can send up spend um spend it on marketing uh so you'll see in small letters underneath ads tested on 30 women and you know 80 percent of them thought their skin looked better where there are tests that you can do in a lab to prove that the skin is denser more hydrated is holding on to water better. I mean, there are like five or six armory of tests that you can do, short of even doing a punch biopsy, which is a really small, like literally Dr. a biopsy, literally punch, a bump yeah. biopsy of the skin, which they can do, that can prove that it can thicken collagen, boost elastin, hyaluronic acid levels, all these things, but they cost a lot of money. So the people that tend to do the tests are the ingredients manufacturers. So the mm -hmm. ingredients manufacturers if they launch a new ingredient, whether it's a multi-molecular hyaluronic acid or a new form of vitamin C or something like that, they tend to do the result. They tend to do the testing. And then they pass it on. And then the manufacturers of the product assimilate those claims into their products, which is completely illegal and you can't... Well, it's not illegal, but it's, it's 
it's illogical and it's scientifically questionable and you shouldn't do it. Um, so even I have to look at an inky list and think, right, let's have a look at these claims, let's go back. It's one of the reasons why, even though the site is infallible, I still go back to Beautypedia and this Paula's Choice mm. site. And I follow people like kind of Stephen and Lab That's Muffin brilliant. on Instagram because they're both formulating questions. And I, even I have to ask the question. I have to go in and go, by the way, just so you know, what do you think of this? I'd like your advice on this. And then they come back and tell me about it. Well, I was telling you, I have got a bag of products that I've brought with me and there's a, and I was showing you what I had and you went, oh, that's a really good cream, but that's too much for you. And I said, well, it's just packed with hyaluronic, isn't it? And you said, no, no, it's actually packed with niacinamide, but I had to look at the inculus and then do some research to find that out. It's not obvious. No, absolutely. So you... It's the Marks and Spencer sleep cream mm. and it's a cult product and everybody loves it. And I did some paid work with Marks and Spencers and I went through and chose some of their best sellers and wanted to test it. So I looked into that product and everybody I recommended to absolutely loves it. If your skin is medium to dry, and especially in cold winter nights, niacinamide is one of those ones that Frau Knoiser at Ole says in the oh. future will be much more important than retinol. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, she absolutely loves its role in skincare. And um, I think we're only just beginning to discover how important that B vitamin is. And that's got masses of it in there. And it's mm. in a really nice, light gel moisturiser formulation. It's just a really nice product. So when you... So when you look at an ingredients list and then you start Googling it, how do you put the pieces together? Um, you, well, for a start, you scan the list and you can work out what the actives are because you, I know, I just know mm -hmm. what, you know, I know how to look for forms of vitamin C. I know what a silicon looks like. I know what a humectant looks like. I know what hyaluronic acid looks like in its molecular proper mm -hmm. name. And then you look how far it is up the list. And then you look for the nasties that I wouldn't want. So, mm -hmm. for example, I wouldn't take any product seriously for my face that has essential oils in it. I just wouldn't. There's no such thing as an essential oil that is essential for skin. When you... I don't believe that. Fragrances, like, you know, I burn fragrances in my house. I burn essential oils in my house. But I don't put them on my face. And I think any skincare line that has peppermint, cinnamon, limonene, linalool, all those things, they're just... In the long term, I mean, I could probably put them on my skin and they'd be fine. But in the long term, they set up a low-grade irritating reaction. And that inflammation is just not good for your skin in the long term. And, and I'm not a fan of oils for the same reason. Like, if you've got clinically dry skin, I understand how an oil can give you instant comfort. But Kind of Stephen did a post the other day that followed how oil is broken down on the skin. So your skin cannot absorb most oils because they're really long chain. It has to either be broken down by the localized bacteria in your skin or the enzymes in your skin to form the fatty acids that you need that can be absorbed. So it can be then be absorbed as part of glycerin or glycerol and fatty acids. Why would you make your skin do that if you can just put fatty acids and glycerol or glycerin on your skin? Why put coconut oil or argan oil, oh, the or any oil of these. Backlash has started. Have any you seen of it? the. Well, it's a wax. It's not even an oil because it's solid. At but have you room seen it started to go? But nuts. honestly, hand on heart, why would you? Like, people talk about things that are natural, and they talk about plants. Okay, what is natural to a tree or a plant? 
isn't natural to your skin. You've never hugged a tree, have you? No, no, I love trees. I'm obsessed <laughs> with gardening. I'm obsessed with gardening. We're there sitting here surrounded by my little plants and stuff like that. I love trees, but what is natural to your garden? Like, earth is natural. Poo is natural. My cat's natural. I'm putting poo on my face. I'm not putting them on my face. I don't understand this link between plants in its raw state mm. and putting it on your face. And somehow a natural ingredient has to be in its raw state. You can extract things from plants that are great for your skin. Aloe vera is brilliant for your skin. You can take most of the glycerin is taken from plants. Like, I get it. But you can't take it in its raw state. You can't just cut open a leaf and put it on your face. You need the best, which is what Paula's Choice of Drunk Elephants stand for. You need the best of the lab to extract what you need so that it becomes readily bioavailable for your skin. Why put a raw oil on your face when it can be synthesised in a lab to give your skin what it needs straight away, immediately, so your skin doesn't have to work for it? Well, you make good sense. I was... <laughs> She's lost her words. What was the question? Yeah, so it is the research about the research and the claims. Yeah, so so back to the research. The research is that it tends to be the ingredients companies or drug companies that do it. So Retin A obviously has been tested as a drug. Um, all those sort of Rosex, Mitronidazole, all those prescription creams. You know, all those creams. If they're formulated and marketed as a drug, they have been tested. Skincare creams don't have to come under the same regulation. So it tends to be the ingredient companies that do it. Or it's companies who absolutely hang their hat on, I wouldn't say double-blind clinical trials that have been peer-reviewed in a journal, but companies like Neostrata, who work really hard mm. to try and do their own internal studies. I've got some Neostrata for the first time that I'm really excited it's to really start strong. using. Which one? I'm going to send you a picture later. Is it the retinol nag, the one in the blue cream? Yes, Be careful. Is. I can only use it once a week. Caroline's never been able to use it. Really? That and the Medicate Retinol are the strongest products I've ever used short of Retin-A. Yeah. They're really powerful. I love Neostrata products. I think they're really clever. They have an arranged called, range called Exuviance, which is their spa range. Um, <laughs> I love what you can't see here, listeners. It's just doing the, air quotes. The air quotes thing. No, and I know a lot of people like it, but I don't understand why you put fragrance in a range. I just don't understand it. Just to make it pleasurable. You're anti-fragrance. But then I think that... The I'm not anti-fragrance, because somebody said to me the other day, I really want to save up for... And it was one of the really expensive really heavily scented cult cleansers she goes I really want to treat myself because I love the smell and I went how much is it and she said it's 120 quid and I go go on the counter to Tom Ford or Joe Malone and buy yourself a fragrance and then go into Boots and buy your good skin or Superdrug and buy no, too many cleanser. you're not against fragrance you're, you don't like fragrance in skincare You've talked nipples about. up yeah yeah. I try to avoid it at all times. time. Cleansers, I haven't got a problem. Maybe a mask, I haven't got a problem. But once you get to something that's going to spend 24 hours or 12 hours on your skin... I Fragrance I, is an irritant. Yeah, it's, it's the most common irritant in skincare, so you best avoid, avoid it. And I just think... Um, I mean, if you look at, like, Tiffany and that whole drunk elephant, her list of things she likes and she dislikes, and I kind of disagree with her on silicon slightly. I haven't really got a problem with silicons. But, yeah, SLS... Sodium lauryl sulfate well, is potentially on. irritating. Go back Fragrance is irritating. You don't have a problem with silicon, but you've bollocked me off about using primers. Yeah, and I think because I think there are certain silicons in skincare, for example, if you're going to deliver a vitamin C on your skin and you need it to be a water-free version, 
then a silicon for a vitamin C delivered onto your skin overnight is brilliant, but then you wash it off. Yeah. I'm not so comfortable putting silicones at high levels on your face. Like volatile silicones go on the skin and then disappear, like those creamy blushes that turn to powder and eyeshadows. Yeah. But if you put a heavy... And you can feel it. It feels velvety and slippery and slimy and you wouldn't even be able to get makeup necessarily on the top. If you put that on your skin... And if a lot of primers then have some sort of pearlescent shimmer mm -hmm. in it as well, what you're doing is trapping that onto your skin. That's why. You That's said why people to me. have to double cleanse as well. The reason people have to double cleanse is because they have to remove this stuff. They have to remove long wear, long lasting, sweat proof, silicon based or oil based foundations off their skin. Because I don't wear it, I don't have to double cleanse. I remember a little while ago, I was getting little like those little bumps at the top. I said, "This is exactly where you put your highlighter." Yeah. And I stopped using that highlighter when they stopped appearing. Just recently... Which is a silicon, uh, liquid a silicon highlighter. One, yeah. And just recently, it was very interesting, uh, because so often images you see on Instagram are so heavily, and in advertising are so heavily airbrushed. And just recently, um, Selfridges did a whole series of campaigns, just shot quite high res, of young girls applying foundations and highlighters, and they're all shimmering across their cheekbones. 90% of them have got congestion on their cheekbones. That you can that, see. That they haven't airbrushed out. And I'm like, that's what happens. That's mm. exactly what happens. Like, you, like, it's virtually unthinkable to get loads of milia on the top of your cheekbones and little white bumps on top of your cheekbones. It's not a logical place to have them. No. Think about what you're putting there. I've got three parallel milia here. I'll show them to you. It's like Orion's mm. belt of milia on my cheek. Go and see Caroline. She'll hook them out for you in a heartbeat. Will she? Well, I would if you weren't looking, but I'm not medically trained. I wasn't looking. It's not good. Oh, I love to take out a milia. Would you? Oh, yeah. Totally. Would you like train? Oh, I'm frustrated. Popper. Doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I love Dr. Pimple Popper. I remember the first time I ever saw Dr. Pimple Popper. It was um, Caroline had a, brand, had a brand new iPhone. We were on our way to go and see Motley Crue. It was the night we properly like, hung out for the first time. And she went, have you looked at this, Emma? And she put the phone in my face as something heinous was coming out of this big old lump. And I swatted her and I thought, oh God, that's it. I've destroyed Caroline Hiram's phone. Thank God she, she, she managed to keep hold of it. Right, moving on. When she comes back to the UK, I'm desperate to film with her. We DM quite a lot. Have you seen Instagram. the Halloween costume, the Dr. Pimple of a Halloween no. costume? But I just, I think she's <gasps> great. I thought that would be amazing. We need to get you a white coat. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And a dark wig. And she's also like half my size. And she's also got a cat called Taquito, who is a tabby. <gasps> How do I not love her? Of course. Rachel says, when I come to London, will you have a drink with me? I would then ask about how to care for my skin in Australia's heat. Tell her to DM me a picture mm -hmm. of her skin on Instagram. Well, you're telling and her I'll now. tell you her do anyway. Know, do you know how podcasts work? Yeah, but that's, that's true. <laughs> tell her, if she's listening, that's what she needs to do. Anybody that DMs me pictures of them face, I always get banned to them. Um, it's cool. hard on Instagram on YouTube now because I'm getting loads of followers but on Instagram I'm still only at like 55 and a half so I can still it's answer people's DMs I'm sure you'll get there in the end <laughs> um, Marda I think it is Marda or Maida M-A-D-A what would you say N-A M-A-D-A Marda okay uh, she is such a babe I think she's talking about you I would like to know how does she maintain a healthy lifestyle <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, I'm sorry. Because you know I'm not that healthy. That's if why. I had enough time, I would also tell her that she is a great, inspiring woman. I respect her so much. And if I had even more time, I would ask her a second question. I would ask, what does she think about the masses of people that would give anything to have the chance to work in the beauty industry? 
Is the employability market saturated or are there any spaces left for the newbies? Hugs and kisses for you both. What a lovely question. Uh, so part one is um, how do you maintain a healthy lifestyle? Uh, nothing to excess. That's, do you know what? That is 100% bang on the money for you. Yeah. So basically I don't ever say I can't ever do anything. Uh, but I never do it to excess. I've never smoked. Um, I probably drink even on, even on a heavy three. week, maybe four units a week. And I only do clear spirits and I always drink lots of kind of mineral water. Or and you make like a, and you make a choice because whenever we go to launches, the, the most common drink is as soon as you walk into champagne, the event, I don't drink champagne. There's a tray of champagne. You won't touch it. No, but that's only since I've gone through the menopause because I can't drink wine anymore because it gives me a massive headache. Oh. But also, I then I interviewed Elle McPherson who only drinks vodka, lime, and soda, like the classic skinny bitch. And I do. That's the a, name of the drink, not Elle yeah. McPherson. By the way. <laughs> I do have a, um, a a sort of what would Elle do kind of moment because she is sort of me perfected. Um, and I just do. I think that whole. Um, everything to in moderation so you know i do eat bread but i only eat brown bread i do drink but i only drink clean spirits i do have sweets but i know that chocolate cheap chocolate is my achilles heel so i don't eat chocolate so i don't allow myself to so every time i get that sweet craving i'll have like two or three vegan wine gums and then that's it like i try not you're to very do... good at stopping yeah, and it's why, you remember we talk about pop chips, because I've got such a I, like a, I like salt and I like, and I like sweet as well. And if I'm being really good, I only buy plain flavoured crisps. Because if you buy the barbecue, Because if I barbecue one, I'll eat the whole packet. If I open a family size bag of 12 bites, I will eat the whole packet. So you have to know what your Achilles heel is and stay away from it. That's a good point. That is a very like, good Like point. ice cream, like if I buy a tub of ice cream... I could quite happily... I mean, I would stop myself from eating a whole Haagen-Dazs, but I can happily eat it in two seatings, mm. sittings. Whereas if I just buy a six-box of Twisters, You'll have I'll one. just have one. Why I'm you... really... I'm, and I'm old school. Calories in, calories out. Like, mm. I, don't believe, I don't believe that women need to supplement with protein unless they're running marathons or anything like that. Like, your body can only assimilate a certain amount of protein a day, and you could quite easily get that from fish or chickpeas or beans or a little bit of chicken or something like that you know oh hello oh. <laughs> do you know i knew that one of them was about to come in come on oh my cat just cried at the bathroom at the kitchen door to come in um yeah i'm literally sort of slow and steady wins the race and I have been on those weird things where I've been to like the mire and I've done the cleanse and I always go into ketosis quicker than anybody else. And I... Why do you think that is? Do you think it is just because you never overload your body? Yeah. So your body is really responsive. of overeating. You know that thing where you mm. think you eat and you oh, eat yeah. too much and you feel sick? That I will really beat myself up about that. I physically don't like it. And also just, I don't, it's never worth it. It's never worth it. And I think, so I go into ketosis really quickly and then what happens is... And I'm not saying I'm skinny, you know, I've got that half a stone that every person would like to lose. But honestly, hand on heart, I lose the weight. And then in the background, if you can hear weird noises now, Boo-Boo's eating his fresh prawn. Um, also, there is running water. It's like you've got a tinkly water fountain. For that's the cat's there. water fountain. Yeah, yeah. so if, you've, if you think we're in a bathroom, I think it might be a touch echoey in here as well. Yeah, we're not. Also, your orchids, 
Mine is nearly dead now. That's because you haven't watered it. No, I do really water it. Really? And don't forget, we've got the light above. So Mine's dead. I'm sorry, I digress. Um, so, yes, so... You go um, into ketosis quickly. So I go into ketosis quickly and I lose loads of weight, but then also I will put it straight back on again. My body will fight to keep itself. At an ideal weight, I'm 10 stone, and I've been 10 stone since I was 18. And I, have, I will put on half a stone and lose half a stone, put on half a stone and lose half a stone... But generally, year on year on year, I've been the same weight since I was 18. Same size clothes, same... I mean, I remember being in my late 20s and probably going up to about 11, 3, 11, 4, but only because I was drinking, because I got my first job as a journalist and I came from a working class background and I couldn't believe I was being given shed loads of free food and free champagne and I just ate it all and drank it all. And then I got big and bloated and looked really stupid. It's I like just the freshman 10, but for journalists. It's true, it's true. <laughs> because, you know, at university, we were all broke. We never had any money. And then suddenly you're 24 and you're going on, you're being flown around the world and being given amazing food and mm. drink. And you just kind of, a bit of a glutton. And there are pictures of You're a bit like, well, you never know when this is going to yeah, end. So there's, there's a picture of me with a bad perm and like a bloated face. And then I just realised that wasn't for me. And then from then on, I've been the same weight. And now if I feel myself... I don't really even weigh myself that regularly, but if I feel like a favourite pair of jeans get a bit tight, I'm like, that's it. No more desserts, no more butter, no more sweets, no more crisps. And then I just cut it back over a period of three months and it goes again. It's interesting. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. This is the thing. You You say to yourself three months, whereas I know that if I ever get that feeling, I think I've got to fix it today. And well, we were talking about that earlier on because you have a completely different attitude to food to me. So I genuinely am thinking about in, doing the 12 steps. Yeah, yours is much more of an emotional reward. I've had a bad drink. We've talked about this before. Mm. You know, I've had a bad day. I'm going to have a drink. Or I've had a bad day. I'm going to reward myself with food and stuff like that. Mm. And I'm not. Also, I have to say, for a long time, I suffered really badly from IBS. So the richest foods don't suit me. So mm. peasant foods suit me. Tomato-based, whole grain-based, fish and chicken. Like... Rich food, cheese, red wine, hagen dazs none of it suits me. It doesn't sit well in my stomach. So in a way, my body's much more attracted to like that Italian peasant food, which is better. Mediterranean for diet. Yeah. Well, this is what Ian Marvis says. And family-sized bags of pop chips and Inter- 12 bites, which I can't allow myself Interestingly, you talk about Joe Rogan. You've seen the state of him. He's like a powerhouse. He's built like anything. He does... Um, meat and vegetables he doesn't do sugar nuts and the whole thing he says that since i think he's gone keto he's keto is that's what keto is yeah. and he said it literally since and his testosterone doubled when he stopped eating sweets sugar um carbohydrates don't think thought, about joe rogan and a double dose of testosterone <laughs> or you're going to lose the plot <laughs> <laughs> honestly the joe rogan appreciation society when gavin was on the show my brother we mentioned Joe Rogan so much that somebody sent me a message saying you should do a drinking game whereby every time you mention Joe Rogan on this podcast, you take a shot. What's Gavin think of him as a guy? Thinks he's ex- well. Thinks he's just a bit of a sort of hero, is he? A sort of tough guy hero. Because yours is purely sexual. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Really spoke of. Never I think really you want him to rough handle you in a ring, don't you? With nobody watching, you do, don't you? He's very happily married. Um, I just like how no nonsense he is. I really like how direct. I was surprised because when you, you and I have this conversation because you're very self-help manual and I've never read a self-help Hang book. On. I'm very I tough am, love. But I, if I was really, really self-help, you wouldn't be friends with me. But if you were completely plinky plonky, perhaps not. But you are borderline plinky plonky, and he's. And when I heard him talk about it, I was like, oh my god, he's like, this is tough love for Emma. That's what I mean. I think you secretly want him to, you know, 
rough you up love a bit. Love me toughly. Yeah, <laughs> love you toughly, yeah, in a ring. I don't know about the ring thing. That's your... your oh, well, don't they, or do they fight in cages? Well, they do. But why would, why would we be having love in a ring? No, no, in because I just know I imagine you, first of all, like starting off having a podcast and then you go, do you want to work out? And you go, okay. And you sort of, you know, you strap your yes, hands up and your knees and then you're starting fighting and then it sort of turns into a hug and then that's it. You say, I'm writing the novel for you. I reckon you should write um, some sort of literature. Dirty novel. You should. Uh, what was the second part of that question? What does she think about the masses of people oh, that would give anything to have yeah. a chance to work in the beauty industry? Is the employability market saturated or are there any spaces left for newbies? I wouldn't recommend you going into magazines. No. Sadly. Although I have and someone like Jane Fairley on the podcast who says it's going to go back to analogue, but it's just going to be more niche. Yeah, in which case it will, won't employ anybody. Mm. If it's niche... And even if it is niche, the magazines that are going to survive are going to be able to pay you so little mm. money because they'll have a monopoly. It will just basically be Vogue and Hello. Okay, but and Vogue and Hello will basically have their pick of any young posh girl they want. Who doesn't and need to get paid. They don't need to get paid. So I will say to you, don't do it that way. Find other ways of doing it. Obviously, digital will explode. It will continue to explode. Yeah, but... You no, know, not everybody can have a blog. So what? But what no, it, even so, you can go and work for digital sites, can't you? Because people still want to read and consume information. So, for example, you could go and work for Gleam, a digital agent, or you could go and work for Birdie, a digital online site, or the Pool, or there. Mm. Everybody still wants to consume and read. They're just consuming and reading in different ways. And also, if you're really obsessed with beauty, you can always go and work on counter. You can go and work in formulating. You can stay at university, become a formulating chemist, which is an incredible thing to do. You can become in marketing, I you can work like in advertising, ca- you can work in... There are loads of different facets to it. It's a multi-billion pound industry, like but it's not contracting. That's true. It really isn't. But it's not contracting. And it's what? Something... It's in the billions a year. Yeah, totally. And it employs billions of women, and most of them are women. And I think there are different ways of working in the beauty industry. You can become a makeup artist, you can become a hairstylist, you can go and become a special effects makeup artist. I mean, there's so many careers in the industry you can Side do. note... When was the last time you went on counter and and had a consumer experience? Uh, I was in Selfridges uh, about a month ago and went in and did as what, blind like a as I shopper. can, mm-hmm. but people always recognise me in the end. But yeah, I kind of to go. I was on the Byredo counter. I went in as blind as I could. Um, I think that on counter has to Do change I soon. The perfume. Do you mean by Rado's perfume? Isn't yeah, it? I was on one of the perfume counters. Yeah. Anyway, I think the on-counter experience has to change. It has to. It has to improve. The thing is, if you look at counters that are doing incredibly well, so if you look at somebody like Charlotte Tilbury, all retail has to offer more than retail because I don't buy clothes in store now mm-hmm. ever. I go to the outlet and I order them and I try them on and then I send them back if they don't fit or I keep them. I buy pretty much. I've gone from buying 95% of my clothes in store to now buying 95% mm-hmm. of them online and only 5% on store. And I've got discount cards left over from back in the day on store <laughs> and I still don't use them. Um, and I just think, obviously I'm very lucky and very privileged and I very rarely have to buy beauty products, but they need to offer something more. It needs to be an experience. You need to mm. have makeovers and you need to have digital places and like if you think about the new L'Occitane store you've got like three little mini manicures and a macaroon stand and a selfie booth and you have to, it has to become an experience for somebody it almost has but to become a destination in its own right mm. and you need to offer some level of expertise 
that isn't driven to just thinking, right, I'm getting a percentage of everything I sell mm-hmm. and don't give me the hard sell. Yeah. The problem with tr- me on counter is you're trying to sell to somebody who, I'm sorry to say, knows more than you do, so don't try. Mm. It's interesting. Somebody uh, And also I really feel bad for my followers who come back to me and say things like, oh, I went on counter and they gave me this, it's not the right colour, and I like go, say Nadine sent you back, take it back, and go, no, Nadine Baggett said, no, that's not right, you can't do that. And like, go and have a makeover, <laughs> they tried to do a hard sell on me afterwards, go and Nadine told me you wouldn't hard sell. Oh, I don't care, trash my name. <laughs> I, I, it, it drives me bonkers, now I've got my head out of the beauty magazine bubble, it drives me bonkers, that real women are spending their hard-earned money on these things, and they're not delivering what they promised mm. to do. That is shocking. It really, really upsets me. And also, I don't care if any beauty editors are listening to this. You know, beauty editor, the question is, would you go out and spend your own money Mm. on that expensive black lotus mask or that oil that's got all those essential oils in that's 150 quid or 200 quid? Haven't you just been given some cream that's like 900 quid? What a sample of it. Say to a beauty editor, if you lost your job tomorrow, would you buy that product? Because if you wouldn't, don't put it on your pages. Mm. That's shocking. Don't make a real person buy that. I actually... Unless you work for Harper's and you're only being... Or Tatler and you're only being read by gazillionaires. <laughs> don't, don't. Would you make your mum buy that or your sister buy that? Then don't put it on your page. Mm. I actually... They gave me a sample of it, but had they wanted to put that very expensive thing in the bag, I wouldn't have accepted it. Only because I know I wouldn't have used it. I've turned down sponsorship deals with, with... Because obviously I'm now getting a reputation for being able to talk really articulately about skincare that works and I've been approached by two companies to represent brands and the serums were coming in at 160 and 180 quid and I said no and that's why one of your favorite serums which is the SkinCeutical C Ferula it's 129 pounds you you have said to me on so many occasions I this is the alternative this is if because you just don't feel great about saying this is your only option. No, people say to me the whole time, like, what do you love? And one of the questions I know that you've got coming up is that whole what's your routine thing. And I say to people, if you can afford it, buy it. Mm. If you've got to put it on a credit card, don't buy it. Yeah. Because there's always an alternative. There's always an alternative. There, there just is. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, say what you like about some of the weird stuff that's going on with Desiem and Brandon at the moment, but he dr- did drive a democratisation of beauty, which is really good. So mm. the other brands like the Inky List and GOW and all those companies are beginning to produce really good, reasonable price skincare, and I think that's really important for women. And I've only come to appreciate this in the last two years since I've been speaking to real men every day. And you just throw away on that thing of going, yes, it's see-through, look, it's still my favourite antioxidant. And somebody goes, oh my God, £129 is so much, Nadine. And you go... They're right. Mm. It is. Just because I haven't had to pay for it and I like it, if I lost my job tomorrow, would I buy it? That's the question to ask yourself. Mm. And I say that to any beauty editor and I will stand up next to them here now if they are listening to me and I will say it to their face. Because I didn't think like that when I was on magazines. No, I didn't. And now if I... And even then I had a reputation for being quite staunch with what I wrote about. Mm. So I think for most people I was the most questioning, most budget-friendly beauty journalist there was out there, the most research-led sort of, you know, what does the consumer want, what does the consumer need? Beauty journalist. And I prided myself on that. But that, even that's been blown out of the water compared to what I think now. It's even like with mascara, for example. I might have Yves Saint Laurent Faux Sil sitting at home, but if I'm spending my own money, if I... 
if I'm going out and I realise, oh God, I left the house without a mascara and I need to go and buy a mascara, you can bet your ass it's going to be Maybelline. Yeah. It's going to be something that's Mine would be L'Oreal Paris Ultimate, which is absolutely brilliant. I would look, do you know what? I'm so cheap. I would look for something that came in under £8. Really? Mm. For me, go, because it's eleven ninety nine. that L'Oreal. I do think it's excellent, by the way. But if I was but standing... But they're on offer. They're on offer too. Yeah, but if I was... Though. No, it is, it is under a tenner at yeah. the moment. But if I was standing in a... I was buying like an emergency mascara and I was standing in super druggle boots or other chemists are available, I would look for... Right, I know all of these are decent. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to get the cheapest one. Always Maybelline Great Lash, I suppose. Rimmel do brilliant cheap mascaras as well. Absolutely brilliant. Mascaras is one of the things you, in my opinion, you should never spend lots of money on. Unless, again, unless you've got the money to spend. I, use I don't begrudge anybody spending whatever they want. Exactly. You know, in an ideal world, one day I will have an Hermes Birkin bag. But unless you've got that money to throw away, yeah, you know, don't do it. Don't get into debt for beauty ever. No. And also, I've had expensive beauty products, mascaras in particular, and the brushes have clogged up within three uses and like, this is rubbish. Well, I think I said, I think in my video, my most recent video about my best budget mascaras, the thing is makeup artists use them and the first thing they do, because what you do is you do get a lot more juice in them. They are mm. really loaded with the juice, but then they have to wipe them off when they use them. Well, they can wipe them off with impunity. They're not paying for them. <laughs> exactly. That's how you get, that's what I always used to do. Maybe not on the first time that you use it. But at some point you get a tissue and you just take all the product yeah, off that brush. To. Yeah, Amazing. Makes such a difference. Right, Michelle would like to know, and this is going to be a two-parter because Catherine's chipped in. Michelle says, what would you tell, what would she tell or advise her 45-year-old self about life and skincare from someone who's just turned it? I know, I know. I'm prepared for you to hate me, but I've had to stop it there because... Come back next week for part two of my chat with Nadine. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would be delighted if you could head over to wherever you're listening, whether that's Acast, Apple Podcasts, other streaming services are available, and hit that subscribe button. That way you'll never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you would like to let me know, then please do leave a review, hit those five stars. Um, Reviews really do help a show like mine stand out on massive platforms. So that would be so so wonderful of you thank you ever so much all the links to join the uh, facebook group will be in the show notes and if you want to email me you can do so on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com it's been so much fun come back same time next week for part two